Tucked away from the city, Raccoon Creek is your go-to golf course. Their location in Littleton provides more than just a beautiful golfing experience. They have the perfect setting for year-round events with unbelievable views. It's a fun place to golf. It's a different atmosphere. It's a really nice course and it's fast greens. They have a good crew there, so it's always in good shape. They're having uh, comedy shows. They got like this really cool fire pit in the back now. It's changed a lot. There's a whole, whole new patio that has like the best views in Colorado. I think you can just see the mountains, you see the golf course. You know, kind of like Cheers. Everybody knows your name and your handicap. That was Todd. He's been golfing at Raccoon Creek for years now, and it's his favorite golf course in the area because of the environment that they've created. Raccoon Creek has embraced technology, adding golf board rentals to their course, as well as updating their golf carts to be equipped with GPS that provides score updates of sporting events and live scoring for outings and tournaments. They also have an app where you can schedule tee times, receive happy hour specials, and stay up to date on all of their upcoming events. Download their app today and receive a free bucket of balls or check them out online at raccooncreek.com. Hey everybody, welcome to the BSN Avalanche Podcast presented by Total Beverage. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about this really awesome deal for BSN listeners. If you didn't know by now, Total Beverage is delivering beer, wine, and liquor anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. For a limited time, Total Bev is offering $10 off a $50 purchase on their website and app. Use promo code BSN10 to save $10 off a $50 purchase for all your parties and have it delivered straight to your door. Let's jump into the show. Welcome into another episode of the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. I completely almost forgot the name of the show at the start right there. It has been like five days since we've recorded a show. Uh, I am AJ Hayfley. He is Nathan Rudolph. Rudo, the draft is over. It's finished. It's behind us. Deep breath. How you feeling, buddy? Yeah, I feel great about it, to be honest. I, I had a great time watching. I had a great time thinking about it and it it turned out about as good as i could have hoped for so i'm happy yeah when it uh when it unfolds in a manner like that it's just like well all right no complaints (laughs) yeah yeah it was like um, all right well i guess we'll just take that um let's let's not uh waste any time the fans have already had to wait several days for this one so let's just dive right in fourth overall Kirby Doc goes third to Chicago, foiling one of Colorado's plans, and uh, Bowen Byron becomes the pick, making me look like a jerk. <laughs> I mean, I'll take that all day if it means we end up with Byron. So <laughs> yeah, right. We we talked about this at length, Bowen Byron, as just the guy that just made the most sense. Yeah, he just seemed to fit. You don't leave any question marks by leaving him on the board. It And for me, he was the third best player in this draft on draft day. So it, it was easy decision. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't uh, I don't make like a, a list or a board or anything. Um, so I was not. Uh, I, I wasn't sure kind of where I would have had everybody at that top it changed it changes all the time you know yeah sure I I flip-flopped a ton too going into it but at the end there I I think I really settled on Byram being the best well and and the word that we used uh certainly the word that I used uh to to describe his game was clean very very clean very uh, a, a red flag free profile of for a defensive prospect where you know there are things to improve upon but really when you're talking about his translation to the NHL it's just get older physically yeah. mature get a little bit stronger and keep doing what you're doing kid because you're doing just fine yeah exactly there's nothing in his game that feels like he's going to be held back by it. Like you said, there are things you're like, do this better, but you're doing it well enough already. Yeah. And they, I don't, I, I mean, I, I don't know that he becomes like your number one, like plays power play, plays penalty kill, does everything for you defenseman. Right now they've got the kind of defense set up that they don't need him to do that. Yeah. I definitely think he will, 
get transitioned into at least a little bit of PK down the road. Uh, power play might be tough for him to find time. Maybe he can slot in on the second power play. Not sure. Uh, but at even strength, I think he can play a ton of minutes for this team. Yeah. When you talk about when you talk about where he projects and like what you what what role you want him to to play in, I mean, for a guy that just scored twenty six goals in his draft year, the idea that he may not be on the power play is yeah. absurd. It is a little bit crazy, isn't it? It it also honestly it also speaks to one of the one of the things that I said about about Byram where he was a luxury for the Avs in a way that Detroit took more at cider sixth overall because they loved him and they absolutely, absolutely needed defensive prospects. They needed help back there. They needed a big stud. Colorado didn't. They took Byram and they kind of already have their like star defensive prospect that they expect to be their number one guy. Byram just sort of adds to it. Yeah, it's there are three key pieces to the defense there, and Byram is the third one we've added. I think it remains to be seen who shakes out as the number one, the number two, and number three there. Yeah. But the Avs are set for the next, until contract negotiations with Gerard as a UFA, I guess. The Avs are set. They don't have to worry about the expansion draft. They have their top three locked in. They don't have to worry about finding top-end defensemen because they have their top three locked in. It's just such a comfortable position. It's crazy to think that two years ago, if we go back in time two years before the 2017 draft, the Avalanche were in dire straits on the blue line in terms of prospects. Yeah. It was scary. And now you fast forward and you have Kale McCarr, Connor Timmins, Sam Gerrard, Bowen Byram, and Drew Hellison. Yeah. It, and two of those both came from one trade. So Yeah, right. And, and then on top of that, you have the high picks, which they, at very least on McCarr, converted very well. And I still think the ultimate prospect depth is a little bit thin, but as far as high-end guys, they have plenty. I think so. I mean, for sure. Like, this did not have a... Because we expect Byron to graduate quickly. Right, exactly. um, You're talking... uh, I, I think sometime this week, you and I should redo our top prospect show. Yeah, for sure. Be because it's quite a bit different now. Yeah. <laughs> um Love Kovalenko, but he's not in the top five anymore. <laughs> uh, no, he's hanging on to the back end now, probably. Yeah, and that's the crazy weekend that they had. Um but I do think that uh, you know, defensively they've they've got a really wide array of guys now that, that are solid. You know, you, you've got Bowen Byram, who's your really high-end, uh, you, you know, you do want him to be a two-way guy. And then, you know, Makar, and he's going to, he's essentially graduated, but then you have Timmons, you have Malosh, and now you add Drew Hellison to that group. You're feeling, you're feeling pretty good about the guys who are not in the NHL. It's not a deep group, but it's a group that you can get excited about. Yeah, for sure. Like we mentioned, you know, Byram... He barely even counts in that group because we're expecting him to make the jump to the NHL at the end yeah. of the season, probably. And yeah, you have Hellison, who, who's someone who you can hang on to for maybe two years, maybe more. It just depends on how things shake out for him at Boston College. But yeah, it's something that the Avs have, at least as far as I can remember, have never really had on the back end. Never. Well, before... Uh, before Makar, they had never drafted a defenseman that high. Right. You know, they had all those top 10 picks, and they used forwards. The, they took forwards with all of them. Yeah, I think Siemens at 11 was one of the highest. Right. Rate. It was Siemens at 11, and I think Shattenkirk was in the top 15. I think he was like 12-ish. Yeah. And, you know, Shattenkirk worked out great, just not for the Avs. <laughs> um, but you really... 
you know, you, you get excited about, I mean, Byram, it's, I almost don't know what to say about him. He's such a, such a high end defensive prospect that Colorado's done now. Like whatever first round picks they have in the next couple of years, Forward, forward, forward. <laughs> right. Like, when you, when you talk about, okay, I, I mean, given how forward-heavy even this class was, yeah. uh, after after the second round, it, you know, they, they go new hook, who we'll talk about in a sec, and then after that, after, and then after Hellison, it was just, like, forwards and then a goalie. But now you're, you're like, okay, well, moving forward, this is a team that absolutely could use a first round pick on a goaltender because that's the only thing that they're kind of missing. Yeah, it's it's definitely a, a unique position to be in. I still wouldn't hate a couple more mid round defensemen next year or something like that. They do need to add a little bit of depth there, but yeah, well, and them, I mean, them going defensemen. I mean, if they wanted to use the first on a defenseman next year, you know, it won't be a top ten pick, right? That's we, true. We're too. expecting so. You know, um, that would that would also be fine, just just because it's a little bit different. You know, it's it's just that they no longer have to do it. That's the big thing. They are no longer an organization that has to spend the next several years doing every turning over every rock to try to find yeah. those guys. You don't They're have to done. Be, you don't have to be Detroit and pick cider at six, right? And, you know, we, we talked last week. Why isn't Detroit trying to trade up? I don't get it. I still don't get it. Why were they so comfortable making that pick? <sighs> maybe, maybe, maybe Sackick, maybe they talked and Sackick was like, no, or you, we want two first rounders to give up Byram. And maybe. I could, I can understand why Detroit was like, nah, we'll just not well, do that. Did they really think they couldn't move back either if they wanted Cider though? Like, did they think he was going to go at eight or something if they tried to? Well, and that's where you need a team with an appetite to jump up. and Yeah, that's fair. You know, that's one. I think that was Colorado's problem was that I don't think anybody was really banging down the door to jump up. And I think, I think Iserman loves cider and all right, man, we'll, we'll see. That's considering this was a draft class where Byron was considered the top defenseman by a wide margin for, for them to go four, six and eight is interesting to me. Yeah. Um, I'm glad I don't have to deal with the the cider at six conversation on the abs. I'll put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I definitely am not envious of uh, of all the guys over at like winging it in Motown and anybody anybody uh, in Detroit trying to break this down. Yeah, because compared to that, Byram is just an automatic slam dunk easy. <laughs> yeah, I and and that's that's it for Byram. I mean, he was a slam dunk. I mean, slam dunk. Yep. Now the next pick. This one was a little more interesting just because of who was on the board. Yeah. Um, 16 came up and Alex Newhook, a guy that we had talked a lot about and how he was available. The Avs were going to be very tempted by him. They really liked him. We knew one of those forwards was going to fall. We thought Peyton Krebs might be that guy. It was indeed Peyton Krebs. Yeah. And they go with new hook. Yeah. It, if it were me picking, I think I would have taken Krebs there. And and then he ended up going at 17, the very next pick to Vegas. But it, I have zero complaints about new hook either. I think he's a great pick at that position. I think he's a great fit for the Avs. He really, we were talking the Monday before the draft that if they get Byram Newhook in the first, that's as good as they could have done, and they got it. So I mean, a plus 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 day one. That's yeah. exactly. I mean, you get you get a, a a defenseman that slots in immediately and does work for you, and then you turn around and you add in uh, a center prospect with an extremely high ceiling who fits your identity perfectly. Yeah. I mean, Yahtzee. It's, like really, like you, what else do you say? I mean, it was perfect, right? It, you could not do better to end up with a potential top pairing demon and a potential high end two C. It, it's directly solving the Avs problems a couple of years down the line. 
And the absurdity of that is that they don't need either one of those guys. They don't need uh, Bowen Byram to be a number one D, and they don't need Alex Newhook to be their top line center. Right, exactly. And if and if they get that caliber of talent out of those guys, then they just straight stealing anyway. Yeah, if those guys hit their ceiling, the Avs are borderline an all-star team. <laughs> right. I mean, it's it's honestly it borders on the absurd the weekend that they just it does. had it does because had a rebuilding team had that two years ago had colorado had that that kind of weekend had they you know okay they take mccarr and then on top of timmins they also added in you know a 1c uh caliber prospect yeah. in the middle of the first round you know this was pre mckinnon breakout mind yep. you we would have we would have all been beside ourselves. It would have been it would have been an incredible day for them. Yep. And now they did that, but after all of the other things um, that have taken place right. since then, they're already it's, good. <laughs> it's really it's it's so difficult to explain just how exactly how dominant that that performance was that that first round was, where yeah. they set themselves up beautifully now there i think there is a legitimate question mark they left alex turcott on the board and they left peyton krebs on the board at each of their picks i think there's a there's a possibility that you know down the road they look at one of those and maybe both of those and say ah, we could have gotten a better guy at that spot yeah i think you could definitely be correct in both of those cases but Honestly, you can't pick everybody, so no regrets. Seriously, no regrets. I and you have to make choices. And every year you could look at it and say, Oh, you could have had this guy. Oh, you could have had the I mean, Avs fans were already doing it last year. They had the number one <laughs> prospect in hockey that was not in the NHL. And I had people in my mentions every week. Should the Avs have drafted Elias Pettersson instead of Kale McCarr? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you want to play the guessing game, you can second guess the picks to eternity, basically. But right, like, and that just goes even if you have they had literally, literally the top rated prospect yeah. not in, in the NHL. All of hockey, yeah. Like all of hockey, they had they had the number one guy, and it was still like, oh, maybe they should have taken Pettersson. And you can you can always do that, and I think that'll be an interesting conversation down the road. How Turcotte does with the Kings, um, but Byram Byram could be a superstar in Colorado. I wrote I wrote a piece about him the night of the, the of the first round, in which I said Byram and McCarr sets up as a modern day Ray Bork and Rob Blake. Yeah, I mean that stuff's for the birds for me, man. Let the other teams do that. Let Chicago sit there and have Doc and worry if they should have taken Byram instead. For sure. And like, and I mean, like Kirby Doc is, I mean, Jonathan Taves, Kirby Doc. And if Dylan Strom is for real, then Dylan Strom is for real. But you, I mean, that's wow. That's great center depth. Yeah, of course. They're going to be, they're going to be good. And they, they used a, yet again, they used another second round pick on a defenseman and got a guy. A lot of people liked in the first round and Alex Vlasic. Yeah, personally on that, boat, but <laughs> they got it. The, the, they used another prime pick on defense, so it's not like they continue to ignore that position, but they ignored the best player at that spot to draft Kirby Duck. Yeah. And Colorado just got out of their own way, scooped it up and said, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. They they kind of did the same thing at 16 too, right? As as the defensemen came off the board. Right. There were still a bunch of forwards there, and they just stood up at 16 and said, we'll take the best one on our list. So I had somebody ask me the question about Newhook of, well, what do you do now when you don't, because you didn't go out and get that defensively responsible 2C. I, I, so? I've never felt like we needed that in the first yeah. place. It would have been nice. Like if you can, like if, if the abs were to go out and get like a William Carlson, obviously that's off the board now. Um, or, uh, or, uh, a Paul Stasny or, you know, like, or you drafted Alex Turcotte, a, a guy that's known for a two way game. Yeah. It, 
if you have it, you can throw it on your second line and it fits just fine. But the Avs have plenty of versatility in their top six. They need well, to put Landeskog with a new hook. That's fine. Right. But then you, your forward core doesn't stop at your second line. Right. That too. You can, you can and build a shutdown third line. You're talking about having a potential excellent shutdown center prospect in Shane Bowers. Where, you know, now I would say pressure's off of Shane Bowers to become a high-end 2C. Oh, yeah, for sure. He can... Whatever whatever they get in terms of an NHL player out of Shane Bowers, they'll be happy with. Right. The Avs... Any desperation that was left for the Avs to round out their NHL roster's future is pretty much off at this point. I don't think there was that much going into this draft, and now there's none. The real the real X factor here is still Tyson Jost. We don't know yeah. where he fits into this puzzle long term. Whereas it's easy to say, oh, Shane Bowers can be your three C. Alex Newhook is your two C. Those guys, those guys can fill those roles and, and do those jobs based on their skill sets and their ceilings and all that. It's very easy to project them in those roles. And then with Tyson Jost, we just we still don't really know yet. And the the Avs haven't made any NHL moves yet to give us any clarity, so we're still sort of in the dark on that. But day one of the draft, they secured their long-term future at two of the three most important positions in hockey. In you get a you get a high-end center, you get a high-end defenseman. You know, they didn't get the high-end goaltender, and uh they didn't they didn't bother wasting high picks on on wings. This is, I mean, this is this is a grand slam first round for them. Yeah, uh, this is an A plus 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 plus. I don't. You're, if you're not picking in the top two, I don't know how you do better than that. I, I honestly, honestly, I fully agree with you. That's they they had a great day. Yep. All right, let's take our first break. We still have a lot of uh, a lot of game changing picks to talk about so we'll pay some bills with some game-changing coffee but for now we're gonna get out of here this is the bsn avalanche podcast presented by total beverage we'll be back on the other side to break down day two a very busy day two all right gonna pay some bills now and we're gonna start with some game-changing coffee StravaCraft is a CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. The reviews are incredible, so make sure that you check them out. The CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety, you name it. CBD is all-natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use promo code BSN2019 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. Back in second segment here in the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. We are here talking about the Avs draft class. That's why you guys have tuned in. You guys have been waiting for it. This is it. This is happening. Rudo, day two was a bit of a roller coaster. Yeah, it was uh, a kind of a weird one, but. At the end of the day, I think they did a lot of good things. Drew Hellison at 47. Let's one thing one thing that I think people make way too much of when they look at a draft class and say, is this good or is this bad? Is who was on the board at the selection. Yeah. After the selection has been made, it just doesn't matter. Right, it, it's done. <laughs> right, it's over. And now it becomes, how does that player fit? Is that player any good? Who is that guy, and what do they bring to the organization that selected them? Hellison is a guy that I had said, I think he's more of a fifth, fourth or fifth round guy for me on the podcast before the draft because I just didn't see a player who put together a consistent game. Yeah. I, I agree with you there. I think there's a lot of questions about his role coming out of the USNTDP, but I don't hate this pick. I, I even, I like this pick. I should say, I think that uh, there were other players I would have liked better, 
but right. I, I don't really have any complaints about this one. The Avs <clears throat> needed another D. They took a D here. I wonder if they maybe could have gone with someone with a little bit of more upside. I don't love his upside, but he's not someone that's going to hurt you. It's a very safe type of pick at 47. It's... He is... Hellison is a really hard guy to evaluate. Yeah. He doesn't... His role at the DP was very limited on on a defense in which every player got drafted, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, every regular from last year's U18 team got drafted except one. Yeah. That's obscene. Yeah, that team was silly. And so you do have a legitimate question here. You know, there were a lot of questions. Oh, was Turcotte getting fat off of destroying second lines in the USHL and all that. Uh, Allison, Allison was tasked with the shutdown role on that defense. Yep. He was asked to go in and consistently take on the top matchup from opposing teams. Now that's more of a feel good selling point when you're presenting the pick and you're talking about who he was. Um, because we've talked about it. We talked about it when we talked about Turcotte, like the, the line matching and that level of strategy isn't at the same level in the USHL as it is in the NHL. Right. You know, it's not making that level of difference, but Hellison did well in that role. But the question is, is, is there more there? Right. Because there has to be, you, you certainly have to believe to take him 47th overall, that there's a whole other level for him to get to. Yeah, it's, it needs to be more. I think the other day I described him as if he's Patrick Nemeth, but can also pass, that's fine. The Avs can work with that, but. Well, if he's Patrick Nemeth that can also pass, he's a top four defenseman. Right, exactly. If he wants (laughs) to be a stay at home first defenseman, that's fine, but he has to show offensive consistency at least with getting the puck up the ice at minimum yeah he's you know and and colorado's uh scouts i was gonna say they're dev guys i haven't talked to their dev guys yet uh the scouts that i've talked to about it have expressed uh uh confidence the word i'm looking for jesus uh, confidence that he has more puck moving ability than he got to show off at the DP because he was tasked with playing the role that he was. And there are a lot of people out there who believe that that guy was the rock on that defense. He was the emotional center. He was the guy. He was a, he's a high character guy that has great size and brings a real edge to his game. I mean, this is a guy that does not mind getting physical with opposing puck carriers. Yeah. I, I have basically no concerns about his game in the defensive zone. Uh, I even think he read the plays quite well and certainly to take him at 47, you would have to think that there's, there's something more there. Yeah, uh, not and, looking for a 30 or 40 point guy here, but right. a guy that can consistently move pucks out and and make good decisions and make quick decisions and crisp passes. Exactly. You want you want tape to tape in stride, uh, correct decisions, quick decisions. But it it still does. I go back and forth on it. Is he not scoring a ton of points because he's buried on this USN TDP team? But yeah. also at the same time, you get to throw pucks to Jack Hughes all the time, and you don't have points, so. It's kind of a double-edged sword there. It is, but you also look at that defense and, you know, with Cam York, with Dominic Fensori, and with Marshall Warren, you're talking about three guys who were known for moving pucks. Right. He's he got, like, zero power play time. On well, and, and he's always, he's constantly paired with a, a guy that, you know, he yeah. as in the shutdown role, 
that's not what they're doing. That's not what right. they're trying to do. It's not who he they are to his partner. Right. He's very deferential and he just, he's, Hey, I'm going to make the smart decision. We're just going to get it out of our zone. And then we're going to worry about the defense and that whatever offense we, we rack up is fine. I mean, and we're, we're talking about this and it's not like the offensive numbers are bad. No, like this guy had 11 points in 28 USHL games. Uh, last season, you know, 18 points in 34 USHL games. So there's there's offense there. There are numbers there. This is not like a he's putting up 11 points and you know that, you know, 11 points in 75 games and you know that that's not translating at all in the next level. There is a little bit of offensive upside here. Yeah, I I think so as well. I at least in the assist column. I don't think he's ever going to score many goals at the next level. but For sure. Agreed. And it'll be interesting to see, now that he'll be leaving the USNTDP, he's going to get a bigger role. He has to. And, and we'll see just how he shakes out. He is, he represents now sort of an interesting role in the ABS organization. Yeah. He is, you know, Connor Timmons and Nick Malosh are kind of like right on the precipice of graduation, right? Yep. They're just looking to break in on a deep defense, but Hellison's got time. Yeah, you know, there's exactly. a couple of years for Hellison. We're talking about, oh, Byram, Byram and Makar. It, it may not, that may not be the case. It might be Gerard Makar and Byram Hellison in a few years. Yeah, if. If the Avs want to lean that way, they want to open up Byram to do more offensive things, you could definitely run something like that. When you're looking at a long-term replacement uh, on this on this defense, this current Avalanche defense, Hellison is the guy that you bring in to play the Ian Cole role. Exactly. You have a, a very sturdy, safe defenseman, and paying him $925,000 on an ELC is way better than paying him north of $4 million. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, paying guys on ELCs is always great for the team. Yeah, the of, course, of course. Awful for the players for the most part, but great for the teams. Great for the cap. <laughs> <laughs> great, and they're going to have to care an awful lot about that real soon. Yeah. Uh, it's... Hellison was kind of the last fun pick for a while. Yeah. They got into the they got into the third round and this was oh they're going to have two third round picks. They've got the top third round pick. They're going to be able to get anybody that falls. Instead of catching a faller, they gave a ladder to a lower ranked guy. Yeah, I mean, this ladder almost went to outer space, man. <laughs> Matthew Steinberg. I'm not sure if it's Steinberg or Steinberg, but I'm going with Steinberg. St. Andrews College, a Canadian prep school, 63rd overall. Now, this was a guy, and normally on, you know, most of the time I don't care about that. Like, what's a guy rated uh, versus where he gets drafted? But 63rd overall. Yeah. It's, wow. I mean, this a is... A shocking pick for them. Yeah. I don't think there are many people sitting at home that, that heard that name and knew anything about him. <laughs> All I know is I can't spell it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, <coughs> it's hard to spell. It's hard to say. So that that's the most interesting thing about him so far. Maybe, you but... know, I interviewed him and he just, he couldn't believe, Oh, I'm, I'm so thankful that I got taken as high as I did. Yeah, I wasn't expecting to go this high. I thought I was going to be waiting around for a lot longer. I have friends who I totally expected to, to get drafted before me. They're all still sitting out there, and I've got an Avs jersey on. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it was a, it's a shocking pick. It really it really is a bit of a a baffler. So here's what I've dug up. <laughs> Because anytime, anytime a team makes a pick like that, you're curious. Yeah, you have to, you have to get digging. How do other teams feel about this, or was the, or were the Avalanche on an island on this one? Yeah, and that's what I was expecting. 
was for teams to be like, we liked him, but not like that. Uh, instead, <laughs> uh, I talked to uh, members of three different organizations in the NHL, not including the Avs, obviously. And all three of them had him top 100 on their list. Yeah, that's that's a little bit surprising for me, for sure. Shock, I was shocked, legitimately shocked. After after I did some digging on who on on what kind of prospect he was, like, and I I if for whatever reason he or his family or anybody listens to this, like, I I'm in no way dumping on on him. This this is not me coming down on him. This is not me saying he's bad. This is in no I don't want that to come across this way. Because in the past, it has come across like that. And I don't want that at all. But this was an out-of-left-field pick for yep. a lot of us. And we're not familiar with who he is as a player. We don't have a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of information to go off of about him. There's not a lot of video out there. And what video is that does exist of him is limited and, uh, to be frank, unimpressive. He has a lot of things that I know the Avalanche were looking for. Um, and I think what happened here is that they drafted a type of player instead of just saying, hey, we're going to get the best combination of size, skill, f- speed, physicality, hands, leadership, intangibles, whatever. Whatever their list is that they go down in order of, uh, in terms of what they prioritize on draft day. And this kid doesn't seem to fit those bills. He seems to fit very much the power forward, get in your face, forecheck you to death, but he's not a good enough skater to get away with it at the level Colorado wants to. But a guy that, that plays a certain rough and tumble style of game described himself as old school. And said, "I'm not about to. I'm not about to stop doing that uh, because I'm. Uh, I, this is what got me here. This is what's made me successful. I'm not going to stop being who I am. I'm gonna. I'm gonna keep running people over. Sure, and and that's definitely, I think, a positive of his game is he never ever shies away from physicality, and he's gonna need that based off of what he projects to be at at the next level." Uh, like you said, I don't want to hate on the kid either. He is who he is. He's probably better at hockey than I'll ever be at anything in my life. But I don't see a third rounder there. I just don't. And and the first pick of the third round, like yeah, you've got to really see something in him. And I when I asked Alan Heppel about, it, I said, "Boy, a Canadian prep school is a deep dive for you guys." And the Avs are an organization that has drafted everywhere. I mean, everywhere. They've drafted from Czech 2, you know, the Czech Pro League. They've drafted from multiple different leagues in both Russia and Finland uh, and Sweden. They've drafted from the CHL, the USHL. They've drafted random USHL guys uh, off of uh, non-development program teams. They've drafted prep school kids. This is the third prep school kid in the last couple of years. They've drafted three Canadian junior A players in the first round. Yeah. The Evs have cast as wide a net as anybody in the in hockey. And for them to have come to this conclusion, it still shocks me. Given given how they what they what they they preach as their message and what they want to prioritize, uh, this was very off brand for them. Yeah, I I'm pretty confused by the pick. I I don't know how they how they got to this guy here. If it sounds a little bit more reasonable, and I'm sure people were making this comparison already because he was a third round pick. But when you talk about other teams having interest in him around there, that sounds a lot like Josh Anderson going in the third. It's ex- that's the exact pick I thought of when he was taken was Josh Anderson where. They wanted a defensive defenseman, and so they just took one. Yeah. They didn't necessarily take the best guy, and there were a lot of things being said about him that I said about Hellison earlier in the segment. Yep. Uh, about Anderson, I mean, where 
you know, good feet, good size, good physicality. Uh, some people swear that he has more puck skill than he shows. Uh, that hasn't translated in any way for Josh Anderson. So nope. hopefully it does for Drew Hellison. Yeah. But that's definitely a pick, uh, the, uh, the a comparison of situation that I agree with. I think that it makes a lot of it, it, it really does strike some of the same chords uh, of, of concern, to be honest with you. Those are chords of concern. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And of course, for me at least, what I have seen of Steinberg is very small sample size, but it's I haven't seen that upside yet. And maybe I just haven't watched enough of him, but I really hope there's more there than what I've seen so far. It is a bummer that we're going into dev camp with kind of this negative view of him instead of, you know, clear eyes. And yeah, full hearts. And I just, I, I think that he's one of the guys we're going to keep the closest eye on this week as we are at dev camp. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's going to be, it's, we're going to, we're going to find out a lot about him this week because the, the way that dev camp typically has worked is lots of power skating and then the slow introduction of actual hockey skills throughout the course of the week. Yeah culminating in a three-on-three game at Fort Collins on Friday, which I may or may not go to. I'll be there, so. Fort Collins is a long ride. It is a ride up there. For a three-on-three game that doesn't count. (laughs) You know? I mean, it's... But I will be interested to see how uh, Steinberg comes out of that and, and comes out of this whole week, how we feel about him after putting eyes on him. Yeah, there there are two guys that do really well in dev camp. The guys that are supreme skaters with supreme fitness and the guys that have super-duper high-end skill. So if he can look okay across the dev camp, then that's that's definitely a step in the right direction. Yeah, and we've seen Logan O'Connor earn himself an ELC at this dev camp last year. Yeah. You can make impressions with this opportunity. So um, he needs to, he definitely needs to do some of that. Let's touch on the other third round kid before we take our second break here. Forward from the Rowena Ronda Huskies who just won the Memorial Cup, Alex Bocage. Yeah, he's a guy who had a bit more hype earlier in the year. His goal scoring ability obviously stands out a lot. And I I like that. He's a righty that can score. And that's something that the Avs lack a lot of. Now, can he skate is the question. <laughs> well, and that's the same question that we had with Steinberg. Uh, we didn't get into those specifics. Yeah, but right. Can, can those guys skate? These are, these are two guys right in the middle of their draft class randomly. The Avs picked two guys who you're like, uh, do you guys got this or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like what's going on here? Yeah, it's, it, it's definitely a weird one to go both guys in the third round that don't really look good on their skates. Uh, with Bocage though, you can see the offensive instincts there. And, and I like that quite a bit. I, I think there is certainly some upside to that. I, the shooting, you know, when we talked about coming into this draft class, them potentially taking a shot at Cole Caulfield or Arthur Kaliev uh, or uh, Raphael Lavoie at 16, they did not do that, obviously, but they, this was the first of three picks in which they used uh, on shooters. Yep, they went shooter heavy in the second half, kind of. So it was it was a position, and they all play right wing, which is so weird. Yep, that's that's more of a I think just odd. Yeah, I think it just kind of happened that way. Um, and it, it it's it seems to always happen that way uh, for the Avs, where they just happen to end up with multiple Boston College guys, or yeah. they just happen to end up with a whole bunch of Notre Dame guys. Uh, or they just happen to take three guys out of Russia. <laughs> you know, things. these things just keep sort of happening where you could call it a pattern, but nobody wants to admit that it's a pattern. 
I mean, it's a pattern, but it's a different pattern every year, right? Like, well, right. And that's where you're, you know, that's where we get left. Like, we have no idea what they're going to do on yeah. draft day. <laughs> Next they year, they could go somewhere else. They do whatever the hell they want. Yep. Yeah. It's, and Bocage, a sniper. I mean, like a pure, pure sniper, got yeah. a great shot. You can just go to YouTube and just watch him, you know, just. Yeah. Blow pucks past past goalies. If all you watch is his highlights, you'll fall in love with him real fast. <laughs> right, uh, always as always, 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 always. YouTube responsibly, kids. Yep. Bocage is the kind of guy that is built for that kind of uh, yeah ex- exposure. I should exactly. Say. Where you're just like, oh, well, he doesn't have to. You know, he looks great when all he's doing is shooting the puck and he's not having to play a whole game here. Um, a great shooter, a lot of, a lot of skill there. Not much of a, not much of a playmaker, not much of a skater, a lot of work to do there. Yeah. He's not much of a playmaker, but like I said, I do think he has a knack for finding the soft spots offensively, but his skating hurts him in all three zones. It's, it's that bad that it needs to improve significantly. It does. It certainly does. Uh, on a on a one to tail on one to ten scale, with ten being the best, he's probably a three or a four. Yeah, it's it's low. All right, let's go ahead and take our second break here on the BSN Avalanche podcast, presented by Total Beverage, which I'm going to tell you about right now because they have changed their offers and some of their products. Because you guys already know that Total Beverage has the most liquor in Colorado, the best prices in Colorado. But now they're delivering to anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. Plus, they are now offering CBD products. That's right. Beer-infused CBD products and much more. For a limited time, Total Beverage is offering 20% off of a purchase on their website and app. Use promo code BSN20 to save 20% and have it delivered straight to your door. That does it for segment number two. This is the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. We will be right back to finish off this draft class. Welcome in. Third and final segment of the post-draft BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. I'm AJ Hayfleet. He is Nathan Rudolph. The world calls him Rudo. The world calls me aj i call you aj i guess i guess both are nicknames yeah uh, since i don't go by my government name (laughs) um rudo this is where the the draft got interesting after the third round it started to feel like oh boy yeah i mean it, it felt very like even year abs i think i was a little bit more positive on bocage than you were so i wasn't quite as uneasy into that long 60 pick break they had it it definitely does not I, my enthusiasm for him does not translate well because i say he's a great shooter and like that's kind of it but like i can tell you i am excited about that like i do <laughs> yeah. lo- i do love that they took that guy and that they, and they could have taken him 63rd where they took time and i would have been fine with that yeah I would have had no bones about that whatsoever because great shooter, a great shooter. And the point of the game is to score goals and they needed to start taking some chances on some of these guys. And then they, they did it with Bocage. They don't have a pick in the fourth round because of the Colin Wilson deal. Come back into round five and they go out to the WHL where they would spend the rest of their draft class and apparently all of their dev camp invites. Yeah. <laughs> and they go with Sasha Matala from Tri-City Americans. Now Matala, a guy with some hype behind him because he was a very high draft pick in the WHL Bantam pay, uh, draft a couple of years ago. Yep. He had, uh, I think, almost first round hype at the start of the year, too. He had a good Holinka tournament, and then he kind of fell off the map. He did deal with a lot of things off the ice this year as well. I really and like his game, but I, I, in my grades piece that I wrote on BSN Denver this morning, uh, which you should definitely check out if you haven't already, please subscribe. Uh, I compared him to Nick Henry almost 
in that he's a hardworking right wing that has some upside and can absolutely help an NHL club down the road. With Matala, though, the upside is significantly higher. Uh, yeah, he does have significant upside. I agree with that. I don't know how consistent his offense is ever going to be. Okay. What, what are your concerns there? Uh, I, so I kind of project him the, as, as more of a Matt Calvert type where he does work extremely hard and he does have offensive ability. He did score 20 goals this year, but I just, don't see the night in night out high level offense that I see out of Nick Henry at times. I, I don't know if he has the, the instincts to play off his teammates quite as well. He seems to thrive off of finding himself in open space and shooting the puck. <laughs> yeah, he's an interesting, he's a really interesting skill set. Um, I love the hardworking aspect of it. Yeah, of course. I, I really like the pick, to be clear. I'm not trying to be too negative on him. Uh, yeah, I uh, Dater actually tweeted it because uh, we were sitting next to each other during the draft, um, which, quick side story. I'm sorry to do this, but quick side story. <laughs> About halfway through the fourth round until the end of the draft, every couple of picks, Dater would hear a pick go up on the board, and he would just shout, What a steal! <laughs> Or, how'd that guy still get there? <laughs> and it was, like, and he did he did this through the end of the draft. And it was, <laughs> I, I still don't know if it's funny or if it's such, like, a dad thing, like a dad joke to make where it's, it's you make a joke and there's no reaction to it and then you just stick with it. <laughs> yeah, that- it's such a, it felt like such a dad thing. And by the end of it, he was doing it and I was laughing because I just couldn't help the, I couldn't help but find the absurdity of it funny. And it was, it was entertaining. But anyway, back to, back to Matala. Yeah. They, they announced the pick and I just said, wow, I love that pick. I love yeah. that pick. Exactly. He's a high upside guy. He's a super hard worker, which is one of those things that always translates. Yep. Hard work translates. It's why you see less talented guys go. It's why it's why you see John Beecher go in the first round and Arthur Kaliev not. Yeah, that simple. It, exactly. It, it it really is a great skill to have, especially when you see as much upside as as we do in Matala. If the Avs want to go in on that. That's I'll do that in the fifth round every single year and be perfectly happy about it. Well, and that was a point that I made again in my grades piece. This is again, another fifth round pick that they take kind of an, an upside swing on Yep. Uh, back in 2016. It was Adam Warner, who was this massive overage goaltender uh, where they just said, Hey, his size and athleticism is what we love. We're going to take a, we're going to take a flyer on him. Now he's getting ready to be the Eagles' backup goaltender. In 2017, it was Igor Shvirev, and he just finished his inaugural season with the with the Eagles as well, uh, and and showed plenty of skill. And last year, uh, Danila Zhravalov was the other one where you just draft an upside in all of these picks, and then this year they go back to the well with Sasha Mutala. The fifth round has become the round where I trust them outside of the first because I love what they've done. Right. And, and with Mutala specifically, it's it's not just the upside. It's such an easy game to project to your bottom six at the NHL level. Like At worst. Yeah, exactly. And the upside can take him higher than that. Right. Is that he has the upside to crack your potentially second line someday and and be a huge draft day steal. I really, I, I don't know if you, you'd struggle to find a better pick on the board on draft day in the fifth round, I think. The sixth round, I liked the pick, not to the same level, but I liked it a lot. Luca Burzon of the Brandon Wee Kings, as they stu- they stu- stayed in the WHL. Stu- 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 they stay in the WHL. Uh, Burzon, a second year draft eligible. Uh, 
19 year old great skater this is the guy that fits colorado's identity this is the guy that i thought reminded me of matt calvert if only because of the way that they skate and the wheat kings (laughs) fair yeah he's they always seem to take one overager every year and yeah, and it was weird that they got to the end and they hadn't taken overager and they hadn't right. taken a goalie. Yeah, but uh, I I like Burzan as well. Um, if you're going to take an overager, he's definitely one of the ones that would have been high on my list. Another guy who scores goals. <laughs> yeah, big time. Not a playmaker. And I I do see a little bit more consistency in that high-level skilled offense out of Burzan than, than someone like Mutala. Granted, He's a year older, so hopefully Mutala follows suit there. Uh, but I, I do see the safety in, in wanna taking, wanting to take someone like that because you know you can, at minimum, you have a solid floor of a professional hockey player there. Absolutely. Uh, that's a guy that you could easily project in the pro hockey. Like, yeah. boom, he's going to get in there and he's going he's gonna to do something for your organization. Uh, high character guy, I like him a lot. Yeah, yeah, he's supposedly great off the ice, and he does he does remind me a a lot of Ty Lewis and being from Brandon and and an overager that's over a point per game point per game, and yeah. he'll have a potential to go back there and score like a hundred points this year. Yeah, he's a he's a guy that I'm I'm really excited about actually. I these last three picks that Colorado made all all three of them excited me in different ways, you know, yeah. different different aspects of their games. I should say is what excited me. Yeah, well, I hope it's different aspects for that last guy. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I'm not too worried about Trent Miner's uh, goal scoring acumen, <laughs> as he was the part time goaltender for the Vancouver Giants this year. Yeah, he. I think he pretty much split time as a 17 year old. That's pretty good. Yeah, uh, yeah, and this was his first like full yeah season WHL season. Yeah, and. You know, I I've always said I'm I'm never great at, at picking out goalies, but his numbers look fantastic. He's a bit of a departure for the Avs. The, the past couple of years, they're like, okay, what's the biggest goalie on the board that we can find? And and, and Miner, he played in Europe. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but Miner's only six one. From what I've seen, he's very agile and plays a a smart positional game more than just being large and hoping to get in the way. So I kind of like that. It it's as close as I can come to betting on skill on a goalie instead of a skater. Yeah, absolutely, man. I think that's a great point in that he's, he's a little on the shorter side and then, and they really, I mean, they missed out on the, the goalie run was legit this year. This was not a case of the abs messed around too long and missed somebody. Yeah. They, uh, the goalies went fast and furious in this one and Colorado just chose to sit it out until the very end. And they end up with minor who, as soon as minor was picked, I immediately had two people uh, who work in the WHL message me and say, that's the most underrated pick of the day. Yeah. You gotta be happy with that <laughs> because people, people in the WHL love this kid. They love the potential that he has. And the opportunity that he's going to have to lead the Giants, you know, potentially back to another yeah. WHL final. Yeah, it, it's a uh, they're stacking players not only in college but in the WHL now, right? Assuming Byram doesn't make the Abs, he'll be back there, and both of them will be playing in Vancouver. Yeah, it's this was maybe my favorite day two pick just because. The upside of it, I love. I love profiles like this. Yeah, guys who just have it. It's one thing when you look at a guy like Luca Burzon, who puts up the big production as an as a, a first year overager guy, or as a second time draft eligible. I'm sorry. And you look at you look at his numbers, and you're like, okay, well, that's that's more or less what they should be, right? But then you look at first time draft eligible, a goaltender, a little undersized but still put up phenomenal numbers on a on a good team and was a big reason why they had the regular season success that they did. Yeah, and it definitely piques your interest, right? <laughs> you see that like, oh hey, he's splitting time with another another guy that got drafted. 
So it's not it's not like this is some like random scrubbo who's going to be playing university in two years, you know. Like this is a, this is a guy that somebody took a pick uh, a chance on to be a potential NHL player for them someday. Yeah, and I think it fits well in what the Avs have already. They have Werner coming in immediately. Miner can play two more years in the WHL and and then likely transition into pro hockey. I, it looks at this point like Peter Kravacha is not going to get a contract from the Avs, so he can didn't even of, get a dev camp invite. Right, exactly. So he can Miner can step into that role of that in between before hopefully Annan is ready. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, any, any, let's let's talk about the class as a whole. What is your overall feeling about this class in general? What what is your grand takeaway here from what they did over the weekend? I really, really like what they did. I think, on the whole, you can't do any better in the first rounds. Your fifth, sixth, and seventh are probably about the same. It's as good as you could have hoped for. Definitely room for improvement in the middle rounds, but even there, I'm perfectly happy with Hellison at 47, and at least it's sounding like other teams were interested in Steinberg assuages the issues a little bit. I still, I'm just never going to like the pick, but maybe it's not just the worst. Yeah, there's a lot to prove with that one. Yeah, and and it's, power to him. I hope that that kid goes out and just slays and makes the Avs a couple years down the line, and I root for him every night. Yeah, I, I kind of compared him to a Tom Wilson type in that he plays that old-school, really physical kind of game uh, where the skill might be looking to catch up a little bit. Uh, but he's going to have time. You know, he's yeah. he's going to have time. He's going to have four year, probably four years of, of college hockey to to adjust and to, to make us all feel bad for ruining his day. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's coming coming down on hit the best day of his life by saying you didn't deserve this. Yeah, I I feel bad, but that's yeah. just reality, I think. <laughs> well, and that's, you know, that's that's part of the business. Sometimes you have to analyze things that you don't necessarily want to. Yeah. Yeah. So all right. Uh, favorite. Let's let's do this. Favorite pick out of all of them. Favorite pick. I mean, Byram. Okay. <laughs> but if you want to do not first round, it's probably Mutala. Okay. I think I would probably. Yeah. No. I. I would say my favorite non first round pick is Minor. Okay. And then, like and then my uh, favorite pick is Byram. Yeah. <laughs> because, and it was funny, all the draft prep you and I had done together. Yeah. All the talk about not taking a defenseman. And the second they came up on the clock, I was like, take the defenseman. <laughs> You'll never get to do this again. Yeah. It's you are in, you are the envy of the NHL to be in this position. Just take him. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I'm, Happy to be pleasantly surprised that it was Byram and not a forward. Yeah, I, you know, when I got to Vancouver, uh, I was, it was, everything was focused on Tyson Berry. I was still focusing yeah. on four and all that I could hear, all that I could dig up. And uh, what, what one of my sources was able to give me right before they got going was that it's Byram. It's Byram. Yeah, well, if, if if Byram is there, they'll take him. If Doc is there, you know, maybe maybe it's a different conversation. So that that's pretty interesting then, because for a long time we thought Chicago was going to take Turcotte, and then they kind of yeah. changed and took Doc. Yeah, well, and Colorado clearly did not, and that's where that's where I really felt like I went wrong uh, in the lead up to this is that I overplayed Turcotte too much, like I. I believed too much in in him going to Chicago. Yeah, it, it was actually pretty interesting. Almost all, except for Knight, I guess, all of the USNTDP guys that were slated to go in the first round all seemed to fall a little bit. Not a ton, but 
you had Zgros up in the top seven or eight, and he fell all the way to nine. So the USN TDP hype maybe at the last minute kind of wore off a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's fair to say. Um, and yet, Drew Hellison. Yeah, and then in the second round, it yeah. they still they still changed. snagged one. Yep, but of course, sixteen of those guys got drafted. Half the league snagged one of those guys, <laughs> right? So <laughs> crazy class for them. Congrats to all those American kids. Uh, we will see them unveiled tomorrow on Tuesday at Pepsi Center, I believe. I have to double check, but I'm pretty sure it's Pepsi Center. Uh, will be their official introduction for all of the local media who did not think the draft was worth attending. Um, I think we're at, I think, I think that's it, buddy. Uh, yeah. I'm dev camp on the ice this week. Uh, tomorrow we will break down the dev camp roster, talk about some of the invites, some interesting invite names. I tweeted out about a little bit of this that we'll talk about tomorrow uh, in terms of puck moving defensemen and, more WHL guys. So we've got a, we've got a busy, busy week ahead of us as we try to dual cover development camp in which you and I will both be there. And uh, the, the uh, inner workings of the tampering period for free agency, which is already off to a bang. Yeah. It, it didn't take much time for free agency hype to ramp up, but, just for final thoughts for me, I'm, I'm super excited to see these players at dev camp and get a look at them in person. It It's going to be a blast to finally have the guys and, and get a feel for what they are. I'm more excited for new hook just because we won't see him at training camp. Yeah. And I just, and these drills, these, these development camps are always about like skating and, and mechanics and all stuff. the things new hooks real good at <laughs> right. All the stuff that like plays right into his wheelhouse where you're going to be like, Oh yeah, <laughs> exactly. All the stuff that's made Cam Morrison look awful the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah. Who will be there again this year. Good for him for, uh, for coming back. Yep. If he's actually allowed to, I know. Notre Dame starts their classes at a weird time. So I know sometimes that, that conflicts. Um, Rudo, let's get out of here for the day. Tomorrow we will really get into dev camp, which guys uh, we're going to be watching, what we're looking for, all these different things. And then Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, we are at the rink watching actual live bodies skate around at seven o'clock um eight o'clock i'm sorry eight o'clock in the morning yeah it's always a fun time good to watch some guys and, and get some hockey chat going before the the long dark of the off season yeah absolutely so lots to look forward to here on the podcast lots to look forward to on bsndenver.com if you haven't subscribed do that uh if you do subscribe and you don't like the podcast uh let me know I'm always open to the idea that we can get better. So uh, drop in and and let us let us know how we're doing in your eyes. Uh, that does it for today. I'm AJ Hayfley. He's Nathan Rudolph. This is the BSN Avalanche Podcast presented by Total Beverage. We will see you tomorrow. Hey, BSN fans. Your favorite Colorado sports network has partnered with your favorite Colorado beer, and we're giving them away for free. But in true BSN fashion, we're not letting you go to some major chain for it. We want you to go to your local neighborhood bar and support a real Colorado business. That's why we've created the bar page, where any BSN subscriber can go in and get a free beer whenever they want. Just go to bsnbars.com, and you can get one free Coors Banquet at any bar on that list. All you have to do is show the bartender the VIP image on that page in your browser, and you can retrieve a free Coors Banquet beer at any of those bars. There are over 20 bars there. You're sure to find one close to you. It's bsnbars.com. Find a bar and get a free Coors Banquet on the house. Thanks for listening to the BSN Denver Podcast Network.